You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javit, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. In this podcast, we cover everything from churches and church planting efforts, mission and missions organization evangelism, and unreached people groups, emerging movements and initiatives, justice, current events related to faith, and the persecutors too author interviews, and more. Let's get to it. Welcome back to the show. Today we have with us uh, Tas, a former sniper, Yasser Arafat for the Palestinian Liberation Organization, who later became a Christian. Tas, please introduce yourself to us and tell us a little about your family. Thank you, Dr. Jared, for inviting me to, uh, to your uh, podcast. Uh, it's exciting always to, uh, to talk about the kingdom. Uh, my family uh, in the United States, uh, my wife, my uh, daughter, and my son, uh, and my six grandchildren, and uh, came to America in 1974, trying to remember <laughs> when did I come to America. Yeah, and uh, that's when I met my wife, and we have started uh, a family together, and and uh, it's been exciting, to say the least. That's so wonderful, brother. Uh, it's always a blessing to meet a brother, for, brother in the Lord who's been walking with the Lord for some time. Um, so this is what I'm thinking. Um, Let's talk about your ministry. I know that you have uh, several different uh, initiatives. Uh, you have uh, Hope for Ishmael and uh, Seeds of Hope, uh, Gaza's Hope. So we want to uh, look at this. It's like very clear as I'm looking at your uh, um, different organization and, and initiatives that God has uh, called you to or caused you to uh, uh, start. Yeah. It's very clear that you are about hope. Um, so tell me and our audience some more about your work. Give us an overview of uh, some of these ministries, whichever you want to go with first. And the idea is, uh, what was the uh, catalyst for your for you finding founding uh, these uh, ministries or these uh, organizations? How did how did it start? Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, my, my journey began in, in 1993 when uh, the Lord encountered me and uh, through a friend and a relationship that went on for 19 years, 19 years later, the Lord began to move because of this relationship with this friend by the name of Charlie. He passed away a few years ago, but uh, he was very impacting, his love, his respect for me, his acceptance for me as a, as a Palestinian immigrant and refugee who just came to America and was my first customer uh, at, at a French restaurant where I started as a, as a dishwasher and then become a busboy. And I was, he was one of my first customers. And his, his thank me, thanking me for taking his dirty dish impacted me that began that relationship and that journey with Charlie that eventually 19 years later 
he will try to tell me Jesus is the son of God and is God. And I totally rejected the idea because I was a Muslim. That's a blasphemy for me. And so, but praise the Lord that he didn't give up on me and, and uh, continued the, to, uh, to impress that and to prove to me through the word of God that he is the Lord, he is the son of God and he's God by reading to me from uh, John 1.1, 1, 1, uh, that uh, that word, John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. It's amazing how God had him, uh, was taking him to that particular scripture because there was a brand new Bible that, that he opened and he opened, it opened to that particular scripture. And as a Muslim, uh, in Islam, we, we believe that Jesus was the word of God and the spirit of God. And so that began to connect and, uh, and eventually I was on my knees after I lost conscience, basically. And uh, I was on my knees inviting Jesus to be my Lord and savior. From that, I began naturally to study the Bible and read and uh, through reading Genesis, I, of course, will have a hard time as a Palestinian who fought against Israel, who was a sniper and an assassin for Yasser Arafat. And suddenly I'm reading about the history of Israel. You know, the, the Old Testament, it's all about Israel. And I was rejecting that idea and uh, until the Lord dealt with me on this, and eventually I came to Matthew 5 and uh, 9, where it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And, and uh, I was so excited about the idea of peacemaker, because I was never a peacemaker. I always hated Jews and Israel and Christians. But... For me now, reading in the scripture, the Lord is saying uh, he will bless those uh, peacemakers. So it was an exciting idea to me, and, and I was, began to continue to read further in Matthew 5, and uh, I get to the 43rd verse where it says, it was said to you, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. This just minutes in between the two uh, verses, I jumped off my chair and I screamed, no way, I'll never love them. They, uh, they did this, they did that, they took our homeland because my aunts, my family originally from Jaffa. And I was born in the Gaza Strip because my family was kicked basically left their home in Jaffa to escape the war of 1948 and came to Gaza and they were stuck there and that's where I was born. So I was reciting to the Lord and telling him why I would never love them. They made me homeless. And, uh, and I was really, I loved Jesus, I loved the Lord and, and uh, uh, I was so impacted by his love for me as he was speaking to me in a form of a light, saying to me, I am Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
and there is no other way to the Father except through me. That voice and that light that was speaking to me just impacted my heart so much that I didn't want to lose that feeling. So in, in having to be a, a peacemaker and loving the Jews, and, and that was a troubling time for me as my wife and my kids thought I was going nuts during that period of time. But as I finished crying out to God saying, no, I cannot love them. And then, and I was on my knees crying and the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He said, they have done more than that to me, but I still love them. And that just hit wow. me. That was so impacting and powerful to me. Mm. I said, Lord, if you love them, let them help me to love them because I can, in my own strength, I can. Mm. And it wasn't too long before he really showed me and began to, I began to feel something towards the Jews. Every time I meet a Jew, my heart jumps and I didn't understand why. But as I continue to read the scripture, I realized. And that's where hope for Ishmael came through as I read Genesis 16, 17, and 21, and realized the roots of the conflict between us Arabs and Jews goes back to this particular verses in Genesis 16 and 17 and 21. And that's wow. when the issue of peace and I, I began to think, Lord, what is the hope for Ishmael? That, that name and that voice keep coming to me, hope for Ishmael. What is the hope for Ishmael, Lord? Help me. And that's where the name came from. The hope for Ishmael, really, if we think about it, is the hope for Israel. And the hope for Israel is the hope of the world. And the hope of the world is Jesus. And so from that thoughts and from that began the, the, the movement, Hope for Ishmael. I don't want to call it ministry. It's really a movement because through Hope for Ishmael, we, we began several different initiatives that began to be a movement in the Gaza Strip. Where I was born was the first place where I called, I was called by the Lord to start I worked there and took me there to the Gaza Strip hmm. for almost two years before Hamas realized what I was doing there and converting many Muslims. Uh, God has given me such an amazing favor at the time and still have. But I had to leave and start something else in a different part of the, uh, of the Palestinian Authority areas, which is in Jericho, and started Seeds of Hope. Uh, organization. And while I was in, in Jericho building Seats of Hope schools and, and in Jerusalem also as well, uh, I began to connect more and more with Jews. And so I uh, built a lot of relationship with many Jewish believers in Jesus and non-believers. So I realized that in order for us to really bring peace between us Arabs and Jews, we have to focus on kingdom principles and not land and political issues. So I came up 
with a movement called Kingdom First. And I had a rabbi as a friend, a, a Jewish rabbi from in Israel, and an Arab pastor in Bethlehem. And the three of us began this movement called uh, Kingdom First. And in the meantime, I was writing books. I wrote my, I wrote my first book, The Once an Arafat Man, in, in the Gaza Strip, actually. And then my second book, The Mind of Terror, was written in Jericho. And I was written, as I was writing the, the, the book, The Mind of Terror, uh, and was completed, uh, was invited to, uh, to the uh, parliament in Holland at The Hague to speak about peace and how could uh, the Dutch government and the Dutch people help the Muslims that have been coming in massive numbers in their country. So I was a keynote speaker at the, at the parliament uh, introducing my book, the, the Mind of Terror, which was translated to Dutch. And through that, I began to look at the overall church condition within Europe and started doing research. My wife and my daughter, Farah, and uh, my, my wife, Karen, both were helping me in that process as well. Then started looking at the, at the church condition of the church in the United States. Because I grew up in America, actually longer than I did in the Middle East. But when I began the work in the Middle East, uh, most of my work was over there overseas more than it is in the United States. So I began to look internally into the church, the America in the United States, and realized that both in Europe and in the United States, the church is asleep to the fact of the danger of Islam that's sweeping the nation. In, December of 2000, I had a vision. And that really began the drive and the journey. The vision I saw, I was sitting at my desk at, uh, at my table in my dining room and I was doing Bible study and suddenly uh, I was not asleep, I was awake, but I've seen something. I've seen myself driving on a long road on both sides was the church and the Lord had me go to the church and have me alert the church to the danger of Islam that's sweeping the nation. This is in December of 2000. Then had me go to the synagogues and had me seek forgiveness from the Jews for what I've done to them. And then had me go to the mosques and preach the gospel in the mosque. So I, I, when I saw that part of me in the mosque, I said, okay, Lord, I'll go to the church, I'll go to the synagogue, but Lord, you know what they will do to me. They've been trying to kill me, my, my family, my own family, for 11 years. They, they, they tried to assassinate me unless I go back to Islam. So that began the drive uh, of, of hope for Ishmael. And I did that drive throughout the United States and then back to, you know, to the Middle East and began the movements, uh, uh, Gaza's Hope and uh, Seeds of Hope and Kingdom First. And from 
mind of terror, I began to see the need for me to come back to the United States to start working with my daughter, who is really, my daughter is basically the boss. She's in charge. I'm just the guy that hangs out and tries <laughs> to bring money. And she's a very brilliant young lady. God really blessed me with uh, my daughter and, uh, and my wife as well, Karen. And began to look into how we can establish a program that we can help the church how to reach your Muslim neighbors in love and respect. Just as I was reached by Charlie and as we have done in the Middle East, uh, you know, I've uh, done work in, in Iraq and, and other areas, uh, Egypt, uh, but the main focus was in the West Bank and Israel. And so we came back, Karen and I, uh, we came back to the United States uh, about three and a half years ago uh, in order to establish the program Lead with Love and start up another organization in the United States called Lead with Love. And so this is the work in a, basically what we have been doing, what we are doing today is to encourage the churches to, uh, to learn how to reach your Muslim neighbor. And as we can see, as you probably know, Dr. Javed, the number of Muslims that have been emigrating to the United States. And I'm not, a, not against uh, Muslims. Uh, these are my people. And I want them to know the truth, the truth that I have discovered uh, 28 years ago, and that set me free. Wow. Yeah. So, so let me uh, let me take you back to you just mentioned uh, your book, The Mind of Terror. Um, so we had this conversation before setting up a podcast episode. We had a conversation and uh, you said you, you were thinking about a different name, but then the publisher decided to go with The Mind of Terror because obvious reason for marketing, that's uh, better. Um Remind me, what was that uh, title that was your mind? The title for the book was going to be Lead with Love. Lead with uh, Love. Yeah, Lead with Love. And so I went ahead and established uh, the, the, the work Lead with Love here in the United States and eventually going to be going to Europe. I'm going to Europe actually uh, in, in April and May, uh, promoting basically the teaching because of the program itself, Lead with Love is translated to several languages. And so we're taking it to Finland, to uh, Holland and uh, Germany. So give us a little synopsis, Tas. I just wanna wanna take the opportunity and uh, help our uh, listeners to just at least have a taste of uh, lead, Lead with Love. So, Please help us to understand a little bit of this uh, uh, curriculum or this program. Well, you know, the, the book, uh, Mind of Terror itself, which I, I wanted to have lead with love as a title, uh, it, it entails in chapters, uh, um, uh, uh, basically parts of my history and honor and shame uh, and different way of thinking. Uh, most uh, Americans and Europeans really don't understand 
the, the culture of honor and shame societies. And so we focused in writing this book, really more focusing on that uh, and what makes a terrorist and how can we change the mind of terror to a mind of peace. Uh, all of this is in the book, uh, uh, the deep roots of the conflict. Uh, I, I put more details in the book about the roots of the conflict between Arabs and Jews and how can we uh, bring peace between Arabs and Jews based on the history and the reasons why this whole conflict began. Naturally, it was not a surprise to God. Uh, he knew it was going to happen, but we knew and believed that he have a solution. And the solution is coming uh, as we speak. The, you know, we're living at a time where things are moving so swiftly and so fast. And so uh, why should we worry is part of the book also. Why should we worry uh, about what's going on around us when we should be work and learning how to reach people and loving them, uh, re reaching them with love and respect. And you know, the book is basically going through step by step on how to understand the, the mind of terror. Not, I'm not saying that every Muslim is a terrorist. Naturally, that's not, that's not what I'm trying to say. But there is always that tendency that could be, uh, you know, because we, we see so much wars and uh, rumors of wars and, and, you know, people within the countries, uh, Muslims, for example, you know, my heart always is broken when I see a fight going on between the Palestinians and the Israelis. Who do I stand with? You know, I go back to my roots, but my Lord and Savior is telling me to love him first. So I have to keep focused on him, not on the circumstances, knowing that he's in control of the situations and that there is a solution. We begin to see some of these solutions coming up, uh, working uh, with peace for the last 20 years. In, in the Middle East uh, gave me uh, an insight on what is really happening with the Abraham Accord. The Abraham Accord, uh, to be honest with you, I'm not too, too excited about this whole idea, even though it's, I should be jumping and dancing on the street because this is really part of what I labored for for 20 years to see that peace coming along. But understanding also and knowing Islam, and this is part of the book as well, it'll give you some uh, synopsis of, of, uh, of Islam, what is, uh, you know, uh, uh, ideas, what Islam really thinking. And not Muslims, Islam, what is Islam teaching? And, and with that teaching and that understanding, knowing that Islam is a very strong religion and it's the fastest religion, uh, growing religion in the world. So how do we deal with that? What, is this going to be dangerous for Israel and the Jews? If the Abraham Accord is really, is a trick basically 
to to give in to Israel and to you know use the money to influence basically. So as as a Palestinian, I think about all of these things and I'm torn, you know, back and forth between the two because I love the idea of peace, but peace based not based on Jesus Christ is not peace. It's a man's peace. And the Abraham Accord is not based on, on Jesus. And that, that's, a, that's a tough thing because you have a political Islam and uh, then you have a, a religious Islam, but within religious Islam, you got uh, uh, people who are part of that uh, religion. So yes. there is a, we are talking about real people who have real needs and have real problems and those needs and problem needs to be addressed. But politically, you have rulers and people who are politicians who are involved um, and they are the one who end up most of the time end up receiving these uh, uh, aids and money and all that um, yeah. under the auspices of uh, uh, supposed, you know, peace. Uh, as soon, Doctor Javed, you you are very aware of all of this, and uh, you understand what I'm talking about and why I am more really uh, when I'm not jumping and dancing on the street because of this accord. But uh, at know. the end of the day, um, in my view, I think the peace comes from uh, um, the Lord, right? That's why I love the way you started the whole conversation that your focus is kingdom, the kingdom okay. of God. Okay. And I think um, we have to come to realize uh, uh, that as a church, I'm talking about uh, Christians and the church, uh-huh. that uh, we, we, we don't need to we don't need to be discouraged because, uh, you know, the Messiah was promised Messiah was the, was the one who would eventually give them peace. And I love that, how you make that very personal, that uh, you had a clearly argument with God that the God wanted you to love your enemies. Um, now, in your situation, enemy could be both sides, right? You were not able to go back to your hometown uh, because uh, you have uh, one side is you have Israelis on the other side you got when you came to Christ. Now you have also people chasing you because uh, you are no longer uh, in Islam. Um, yeah. So you you are you are, <laughs> you are, you are not safe anywhere, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> no. Unless, unless the peace that comes from above that per- surpasses our understanding, unless you have that peace, you would be scared so much that you you can't even live um, one day, uh, let alone uh, all these years, and then go on to even uh, uh, start these different initiatives and uh, carry those through. God did something so miraculous. That's why, unless the Lord does that, it's hard to understand how a person who once had his own hatred toward uh, uh, Jews ends up loving Jews and uh, loving Muslims. So gospel brings uh, people together. Gospel reconciles and reconciles and uh, joins us. Uh, It, it, it's amazing uh, just hearing your story, brother. It was amazing. So let me uh, move to the, um, 
next thing I have here, and because of the time, I want to also respect our um, audience as, and your time too. Uh, thank you so much for being here. So how did you go about, about uh, uh, training new leaders to take care of uh, um, seeds of hope? Um, or even for, I'm thinking about both, the seeds of hope uh, in uh, yeah. Jericho and Jerusalem. Yes. Uh, you know, I've learned my lesson uh, in, in the Gaza Strip. I was so driven and, and naturally, <laughs> I want my people to come to know him. So I was uh, very aggressive in the way I was reaching. And God gave in me 108 Muslims at the time that gave their heart to Jesus. Most, some of them were for a purpose of benefits, but the majority of them truly had uh, an experience. As you know, Dr. Javed, in, in, uh, the Lord is appearing to Muslims in, in visions and dreams in massive, massive numbers uh, in the past 15, 20 years than ever in the history that we know. And so uh, I say the Lord has been touching people already. And when I came along, uh, they, you know, just they saw that. And eventually when they found out that I was a converted Muslim, they, they were more open and, and they, um, they opened their heart and they gave their heart to Jesus. And we baptized most of them. Now, uh, that was so swiftly and so fast that Hamas took a notice when they took power. When I started, it was before the Hamas took power. And then, so I learned from that to really wait on the Lord because I was so aggressively moving. So going over to Jericho, I, I learned to try to more live the gospel in front of the people than preaching it to them. Wow. Amen. And, Amen to that. And uh, what, what happened in Jericho and in Jerusalem, it, it was amazing how the Lord really gave me favor. The first three years in, 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 Jer in Jericho, it was tough. I mean, I was, uh, I was persecuted by the Muslim imams preaching against me from their mosques on Fridays. And on Sundays, the Catholic priests. <laughs> you know, both. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I was getting it from both. So I just decided to keep myself quiet and, and just move forward with what the Lord is called with, for. And, and bless me, the Lord blessed me with so many uh, young men and women that joined in with me and many Christian Arabs that were nominal Christians, basically, uh, whether Catholics or Orthodox. And as they saw my life, they began to realize that I'm not doing it for any, any favors or, or for any uh, uh, gain, personal gain. You know, all the, the money that we were spending, the Lord had blessed us with uh, to bless the people of the land, personally. And so that began to give me a lot of favor. And after three years, we decided we're going to do a grand opening 
of uh, Seeds of Hope. By that time, we've gained some, some favor in, in the city. And so we invited the dignitaries, the vice president of the Palestinian Authority, for example, was a, a neighbor of mine and a very good friend and, and some other dignitaries from the West Bank, they came to join about 275 people, including one of the toughest preachers, Muslim preachers that were preaching against me every Friday. And I went out there and sat outside in my car, you know, they speak on the, and, and the big speakers. And so I was listening to it outside and sure enough, seven minutes, that minute or that time was seven minutes was about Taisir Abu Sada and, and what he's doing, the, the infidel, the heathen, the traitor and all of that. So I invited him to come to the grand opening. I sent my assistants to invite him and tell him that we are going to present him because he had a handicap ministry as part of his work. We're gonna give him 25 wheelchairs as a gift for his work. He couldn't believe it. My assistant was telling me, he said, he was stunned. He said, after all I said against him, he's gonna give me 25 wheelchairs. <laughs> my assistant was very smart, very wise. He said, Your Excellency, what you say against Mr. Abu Sada is your opinion. What Mr. Abu Sada does is what his God tells him to do. Amen, right? I told him to give me that 25 wheelchair. He said, hmm, then I'm coming. Sure enough, he came. So here I am sitting between him and the highest Islamic authority in the West Bank and Jerusalem, the Mufti of, uh, of uh, West Bank and Jerusalem. And he was invited and he came also. So I was sitting in between the Imam and the Mufti and uh, he leaned over to me. He said, uh, I, I, just don't, I just don't understand. Why are you giving me 25 wheelchairs? I said, uh, your excellency, I think my assistant explained it to you. The Lord laid on my heart to give you this gift because you're doing a good work for the people who are most needy. Mm. He said, wow, can I speak? I said, no, sir, no, sir, I'm sorry. We're done, we're done speaking. We have finished. <laughs> he said, no, no, I've got to speak. And he stood up and he said, people, you listen to me. And everybody, 275 people, suddenly quiet and looking at him. He said, listen, you know, most of you know how much I spoke against this man. And I'm sitting in my chair and I'm, I'm getting ready to faint, you know. Uh, I didn't know what he was gonna say. He said, but, but after all that I've said against him, he's still giving me 25 wheelchairs. What kind of a man is this? <laughs> and he looked, at everybody and he was pointing his finger and said, you listen to me, everyone. From this day on, anyone that speaks against Mr. Abu Sada, they'll have to answer to me. <laughs> and I'm sitting there yeah. and I'm telling you, Amen. I started crying. Amen. The favor that God has given me yeah. with one of the highest 
uh, highly regarded a preacher, Muslim preacher in the West Bank. And his name, Sheikh Harb. You know what Harb means, Dr. Javed? Uh, go ahead, brother. <laughs> War. That's yeah. his last name. War. Harb. So, praise the Lord. That's, that's uh, part of the favor that God has given us. To, yeah. to, and was able to train uh, based on the Bible. Yeah. Indirectly with my team until they gave, gave their heart to Jesus and eventually they began to work basically according to the word of God. Wow. In all my schools, even though we don't put the cross in our schools, but they know all the management and most of the teachers and volunteers that came from Europe and the United States, all believers, followers of Jesus. Amen. Exactly what the scripture says, Romans chapter 12, verse 20 says, uh, and that's what you actually were doing in, in action. And it's, uh, let me read it for you. It says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And for by, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. But I think there is no better revenge um, than loving somebody, forgiving somebody. Because when you forgive somebody, you you break that control, that hold on your own life. Let me ask one more question. How can people get involved with the Hope for Ishmael, Seed of Hope, or Gaza Hope? Yeah, uh, hopeforishmael.org. Okay. Uh, there is a lot of information within the website itself, and it will guide you, direct you to what what you can do and how you can help, or, or just read to understand uh, how to get the books and uh, learn how to reach Muslims in love and respect. Good. So if we basically, if people go to your site, that will help them to uh, get connected to the rest of uh, um, these. Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. Perfect. So here's the last one. And uh, I like to keep things light because we discuss heavy topics and, and just we, we just discussed that. I mean, literally, you are a walking, talking miracle of God, um, a person who should have been uh, not around because you were uh, stressed from both sides. You were uh, um, hit from both sides. And yet your Lord uh, exalted you, brought you here, sustained you, provided for you. Amazing but still very tense, extremely tense, right? So because we discuss uh, heavy topics, I always like to close with a joke. So please tell me a joke. <laughs> yeah, I'm right? Not a joker, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta tell me some joke. <laughs> you need to prepare me for that. Uh, let's see, that is, uh, that is far, far from my mind at this point of time. <laughs> The Lord is good. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I was beaten up one time, left for dead in San Francisco. Hmm. And uh, uh, the Lord healed me after about two and a half months of uh, rehab. Uh, eventually, I went back to the same mosque that I was beaten at. And so people are, who have beaten me, they're, they're still in that mosque and they're looking totally terrified. 
and and they they they're looking at me and say, "What? What? Uh, didn't we give you enough beating?" I said to them, "You know, uh, your beating was on on this on the right side of my face. Maybe the left side need more." Oh, <laughs> oh man! Uh, they were terrified. Oh. They were just terrified. Oh, you stay away from us. You stay away from us. Uh, we don't know how you are walking. We broke you in half. And that's right. true. They did broke me in half. But, wow. uh, but I, I, I use that for a joke, but it's really a reality that I live by. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Bible said if they snap you on your right side, you get yeah. on your left side. And that's, that's so really true. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much, uh, uh, Tas, for coming on the show. Um, it was great to have you. Uh, we need uh, men like you who uh, stood their ground, have uh, proven their ministry, and will continue to pray for you. And as your uh, daughter takes the lead and uh, as she sets up things and leads uh, um, in, in the future, and even now, but I know that uh, the future, uh, of course, uh, she's the one who will continue the legacy. Thank you, listeners. Thank you to all our listeners. If you have found this episode or our podcast helpful or informative, we appreciate honest five-star reviews to help others find this podcast. You can also send us feedback or topic requests at oururbanvoices at gmail.com. You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Please check back for new episodes every week.